Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Welcome. And Tom Jacobs, in a little bit, I'm going to have you pray for us. Tom, where are you? Or not, read, read for us. There he is. Okay. Well, I'm Pastor Rob. It's good to be here. How do you walk? That's kind of my opening question. How do you walk? Do you kind of, you know, saunter? Or is there a spring in your step? Or, you know, I don't really think that much about how I walk, but every once in a while I'm always like, you're slouching. So I got to stand up straight. I got to stand up straight. Uh, how do you walk? And the reason why I asked that is last week, last week when we were in, Galatians chapter 5, we heard this phrase, walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Staying in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean? I I think it was Joe was preaching last week. I think he did a really nice job, but it's still in my mind. It's a little fuzzy. What's great about Scripture is when you have these questions, sometimes they answer the question you have. And so we're going to go back to Galatians Chapter 6 now, as we're walking through Galatians, and we're going to hear an answer to that question, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Um, Jeff uh, had, had talked about this, and he, he pointed out the, the different things, walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, or be live by the Spirit and stay in step with the Spirit. I think in chapter 6, he applies that, or answers that question, by saying it's about helping those who are struggling or helping those others. A life in the Spirit is not one of solitude, but it's really relational. It's, it's kind of being a part of a community, a, co- a community of faith. We are part of a, a body of believers, not isolated islands. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's in the context of here, right here, the local church. The Spirit's at work. And this is the basis where we help others and where we find this instruction about helping others in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, electronic or paper, we have some here. Uh, Go go to Galatians chapter 6, the first five verses, 1 through 5. And um, do you want to come up here, Tom, and read for us? And we've been doing this uh, just in honor of God's word. We'll stand. So if you want to stand with us while we listen to the word read, let's do that now. And I need a mic. We got it. And if you, can't, if you can't stand, that's fine too. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, He deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. It is light and life. We need your help. Uh, to walk in the Spirit. We need your help to, to be led by the Spirit and stay in step with your Spirit and to live by your Spirit. Help us know how to do that. Help us help each other. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
So let's do this overview. We only have a few more weeks. What's Galatians about? What's happening in Galatians? Do you remember? Paul has been a part of this region in modern-day Turkey, planting and encouraging believers. He goes, and then he goes out, and he, he's planting churches. He's encouraging believers. And he gets word that people have come in and distorted his, the teaching. What are they teaching? They're saying you kind of you need to jump through these Jewish religious hoops of like circumcision, the law, there's certain holidays, and then you'll be right before God. Or 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 your 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 salvation's in jeopardy. The reality is if the church adheres to this teaching, they're in jeopardy. This is legalism, and this legalism is not the gospel. It's no gospel at all. Paul wrote this scathing corrective letter, Galatians, which we're reading, to help them, to help them who are struggling. The, the theme, the big idea or melodic line we have on our poster, when pastors got together and kind of try to work on what is it saying, it's this, we must return to the gospel of grace so we can walk in freedom with the Spirit. Return to the gospel of grace so you can walk in freedom with the Spirit. Um, we say, hashtag gospel drift. We don't, wanna, we don't want to drift in the gospel. He spends the first five chapters of Galatians proving his point. Paul does. He's proving his point. And we get to chapter five last week and, and the, the weeks before that. But in, in chapter five, we see this shift, this turning point, where he moves from theology to application, from his argument to, his, um, to practice. His contention is the good we do, and we do a lot of good, and good is good, but the good we do doesn't save us. Our religious practices don't save us. Our ethnicity doesn't save us. Our gender doesn't save us. Our social class or status doesn't save us. The reality is only Jesus saves us. When we embrace this, it frees us from broken measuring sticks and disappointment and ultimately, hell. But it doesn't free us from morality. It doesn't free us so we can live however we please. If you have your Bibles, we're in chapter 6. We're going to jump back to chapter 5, verse 13. Look at chapter 5, verse 13. It says what? For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Paul proclaimed the believer's freedom from the Old Testament law, but not morality, not ethics. In fact, the church needed to be wary of something called the flesh. What is the flesh? It's this thing at work inside ourselves that wants to rebel against God, to do something that we shouldn't do. The flesh stood for the sinful desires lurking in a person. And those free in Christ, God calls to live a different way. To live a life of love, not indulgence of sin. This new law sums up all of God's laws. This law is the hallmark of the Christian. It's the centerpiece of the spirit-filled life. It's the way we walk in the spirit. When it comes to the Spirit, what do we think of? He talks a lot about Spirit in Galatians. 
We might think of that old term, the Holy Ghost. Maybe you saw it in your, your Bibles, maybe your older, older Bibles, you think of the Holy Ghost, or you think about this, this supernatural force, or the power to do miracles and healings, to predict the future, or um, say, le- speak languages from a different, you know, from the an- angels or someone else's language. And in Galatians, Paul actually has a, a little different take on the Holy Spirit here. Not that those things don't happen, but he writes a spirit is much more prevalent and operative in the local church, the mundane, the day-to-day. The Spirit's work is what in chapter 5? Do you remember? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is faithfulness. It is gentleness. It is self-control. That's the, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and he sets that opposed to the works of the flesh, which are all relational. The work of the Spirit is life. The work of the flesh is death and destruction. You could, I think Joe summed it up in four different buckets or categories. There's the, there, if you look at chapter 5, a number of them are, are, are dealing with sexuality. Some of them deal with idolatry, worshiping the wrong thing. There, there is relational discord in the flesh and a, a tendency to escape, escapism. These are problems for the Galatian church 2,000 years ago. And they're problems for the church today. The reality is people struggle. And in Galatians chapter 6, applies this call to walk in the Spirit to help those who are struggling, those who are struggling and straying, those who are stuck, those who are stuck in sin, they don't even see it, and those who are, who are stuck in just their circumstance and need some help, someone to help come alongside them. In both cases, he gives, Paul gives some general qualifications to be, to be gentle, to be careful, to be humble, I think the main point, if we were to say it really simply, and you want to write this down, the big idea from this is help one another by the Spirit. Help one another by the Spirit. Let me show you Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, or just look on overhead. As we, brothers, it says, and I've, I've mentioned this before, brothers, we must remember who is Paul talking to? Some versions say brothers and sisters. He's talking to men and women. He's talking to slaves and free people. He's talking to Gentiles, which is the identity of those who are not Jewish and those who are Jewish. This word brothers is a placeholder for those who are part of the family of faith. If you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are my brother or sister. You are one another's brother or sister. Part, this is part of this in-house language. In chapter 3, verse 28, he made this comment. He wrote this, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. Why? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That means we have one value before the Lord. By faith. We are different. You guys are different than me. I am different than you. You are different than each other. You are unique as a fingerprint. Yes. However, 
We are all sinners saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're brothers. We're sisters. Chapter 6, verse 1 goes on, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, the reality is in the church, there are times where people are caught in transgression, that people are stuck in sin. They're straying, they're wandering, they're waffling. I was trying to picture, what is this like? And, and, I, and the image that came to mind was uh, a fish in Lake Michigan swimming along, maybe going with a, a school of fish, and they get close to the Cook nuclear power plant, and they get close and closer and closer to the water intake area, and they get sucked in. 11 years ago, the Chicago Tribune, I was Googling this, and I found the Chicago Tribune did a story on what happens here. And this actually happens all around the lake and all around other lakes where they take in water and they put out water. This is what they wrote. The Cook nuclear plant kills more than 1.3 million fish annually, most of which are yellow perch. An additional 196 million eggs and other organisms die each year inside the plant's cooling system. Now, again, it, this is pretty prevalent, and um, maybe they've mitigated this in the last 11 years. Um, but it, I'm, I'm trying to make a point. I don't think these fish realize what they're doing. They're going with the flow. They're in the, the, the stream of consciousness of everybody else. They're, they're having fun. Maybe it's warmer by the plant, I imagine that. It's comfortable. It's not that bad. No one's getting hurt, they might think. And you see where it goes. It doesn't go so well. The same is true in chapter 5 when we look at the works of the flesh. People are swimming in sin in our culture. And the reality is, if we're not careful, we as a church, we as people, individuals of church, can go with the flow. It's not that bad. Everyone's doing it. It's natural. No one's going to know. It doesn't matter. You only live once. Enjoy yourself. It's a free country. You probably have heard the lies, or maybe you even said the lies to yourself before. I know I've had these lies in my head. But there's destruction in the end. Paul goes on, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual. When he says you who are spiritual, what he means by that is if you have the Holy Spirit in you, this applies to you. And you have the Holy Spirit in you if you believe Jesus died for your sins. And so you are part of the, the people he is writing to, to help restore the, the person who's straying, wandering, and waffling. It's us. We have the responsibility, brothers and sisters, by the Spirit to help those before it's too late, before they shipwreck their faith. And I've been a beneficiary, and maybe you have too. When I, when I first got married, you know, you think you're, you're doing pretty well, and then someone starts reflecting back, you know, uh, when you're talking like that to your mom, you're pretty rude. I'm not, I was being funny. You know, it, made all, it made all the sense to me in the world, you know, to say what I say. I do what I do because I think it's right. And my wife gave me the opportunity 20 years ago to see myself from a different perspective. She helped me see my sin. And over the years, people have done that to me where I don't see it. You're just going with the flow. It makes sense. It feels good. 
And all of a sudden, someone helps bring an observation, and we're better for it. I didn't like it. I was defensive. I was maybe offended. But overall, the Lord used that. The Holy Spirit used that to help shape me and mold me. And maybe he's done that for you as well. Now, someone might say, well, doesn't Jesus say, don't judge? How does that work? You've probably heard that. It's probably one of the more quoted verses in the Bible in our culture. Well, he does say something about judgment in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And let's read that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not. That's the first few words he says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, some might read this teaching and think, you know, Paul is over here, Jesus is over here, they're at loggerheads, they disagree, they contradict. No. They actually agree. They're just talking about two different aspects of confrontation. This is not what Jesus taught. We're not, to, we're not to confront each other at all. In fact, it gives us a, a helpful perspective in confrontation. We want to work through our own stuff first. We want to make sure we, you know, we're not in sin in the midst of our confrontation. We've got, we're dealing with our stuff. Okay, There's a humility here. But look at verse 5. Look at verse 5 of Matthew chapter 7. It says this, Then you will see clearly, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It doesn't prohibit taking the speck out of someone's eye. It says, then you will see clearly. So if, if you concede with me that Jesus and Paul are in agreement, Paul is not done with giving us instruction on how we as a community of faith can talk to each other about difficult conversations. These are difficult conversations about sin that we see and someone might, might not see. And he gives this qualification. I think it's really important. So listen to this. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that's all of us, should restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Now, where does gentleness come from? Yeah, you, we just read about that. The fruit of the spirit, one of the fruits is the spirit. So does that get me off the hook? I'm just not made that way. You know, I'm just an honest person. People need to hear the truth. Does that give me the, the permission to be rude, harsh, blunt, tactless? No. This is a, this, the fruit of the Spirit is, is gentleness. We want to walk in the Spirit, and here's a call for us to be gentle in how we talk to one another when we confront each other. We must be filled with the Spirit. So when we see another person's blind spot, we don't want to be high and mighty thinking we have something to offer someone, um, and we can just offer it however, you know, whatever we think, we just say. There's no filter. No, we need to have a filter, and the filter's called gentleness. It's a, a, the Holy Spirit stopping us from saying something that might not be helpful. I, I was trying to get a picture of what does that look like. And if we want to be gentle, who, who are you going to be gentle with? Some of you are parents, grandparents. I'm thinking toddlers. We're gentle with toddlers, Right? We want to be gentle with toddlers. And so we may be stern, we may be strict, but we're going to be gentle with our toddlers. We're not going to teach, treat them like a criminal. We're not going to 
treat them like the you know the head coach is being disrespected by the football player. They don't treat them you know you don't necessarily treat that in a gentle way. You know this is a this is a gentle interaction here. You must be gentle. I was thinking about this. I think some people have a tendency to confront. They're pretty good at confronting. They may like confronting. And they are obeying this text. Now, let's, let me just caution. Be gentle, please. <laughs> please be gentle to, to us pastors. Be gentle to one another. I think that's, that's a helpful caution that Paul puts here. Now, there's other of us who might be like, I don't really want to deal with conflict. I don't want to get into that. I don't want, I, it's not my job. You know, that's not my brother. That's not my sister. God may be calling us into an opportunity to say something tough. Be gentle. Step out in faith and be, and be gentle. Paul ends this with a warning. It's not, he's not done talking about confrontation. Here's a warning. Look at verse 1 again. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. There is a tendency when we confront one another that we can fall. Have you ever felt that? I have. Where there's a little, I can feel the flesh. Honestly, I, I feel it. And there's a little bit of me that just might enjoy something or might, might be open to something or might just be, fall into a different sin in the midst of this confrontation. There is this principle that when we confront, we might fall. So there is a caution here. Be careful lest you fall. And you might not be the one to confront for that very reason. Your confrontation, maybe God's calling you to pray. But be careful lest you fall. Maybe you need to set some parameters before you make this, do this confrontation. Sin is tricky. It seems exhilarating and pleasurable, but it leads to death. I, I think of it as uh, someone who's doing cartwheels, at the south rim of the Grand Canyon, or driving on 94 with their eyes closed as long as they can. It's not smart. It leads to danger. It's destructive. If we see someone stumbling, be cautious, be gentle, but don't sit idly by. Let us help one another. What does that look like? How does it really work? You want to be gentle. You want to be careful. Okay, I was, I was thinking about when we confront, it's good to confront in private in general and praise in public. If we look at Paul as an example of a, someone who confronts in, the, in his letters and, and uh, maybe James and Jude as well, there, there's this, a call to be positive. You know, look, at the, look for the grace. Wow, I see God at work. You know, I love how you're, you're, you're really loving your, your kids here. Or, you know, man, I appreciate your heart of service. Begin with something positive. He does that with the Corinthians. Uh, end with something positive. I think that's a good, a good way of going about it. Timing. I was thinking about timing. When I make an observation, hey, can I talk to you about something? Or is there a time for me to talk to you about something? Because it may not be the right time. 10 o'clock at night, when you're going to bed, may not be the right time. Make an observation at the, and ask the question, hey, is this a good time? Or is there a time we can talk about something? The other thing is Humility. We might have it all wrong. We might not have the right perspective. There may be some facts in, in the situation that we are totally unaware of. And it's important for us to think through, hey, I could have this wrong. And maybe even say that. 
you know, I could be wrong. When you were talking to your kid right there, it seemed a little harsh. How are you doing? Ask questions. Don't make judgments and statements of, uh, about feel, knowing someone else's heart. I know what, you're, you know what you're thinking. No, we don't necessarily know what people are thinking, what they're going through. Ultimately, we do this because we care. And we're, we're, our outcome, our goal is not to change a person. Our goal is not to convict a person. Our goal is not to get what we want. The goal is to be obedient to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says to you know, go gently restore those who are caught in any transgression. The Holy Spirit's job is the one that convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit's job is the one who, who changes and transforms our lives. The Holy Spirit's job is the one who calls us to righteousness. And so if someone's going to see something, it's going to be because the Holy Spirit opens their eyes. They might hear what you have to say and say, I don't agree. You know what? No thanks. Okay. We trust the Lord, not the outcome. This is a loose pattern, a, a way of thinking about confrontation that is something Paul encourages in Galatians chapter 6. This is the one person who's struggling or straying. There's another person who's struggling in a different way, and I don't think it's with flesh or don't think it's with sin per se. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. I don't have this exactly in my notes. In 1 John, it says, we love because he first loved us. Jesus loved us, and so we love one another. In Romans chapter 15, it says something similar. It says, we who are strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Why? Let each one please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Why? For Christ didn't please himself. Christ didn't please himself. He came to earth to die, to rise for you and I. And so if we're called to bear one another's burdens, it raises the question, what are our burdens? What burdens do you carry? A different way of saying it may be, you know, what, what's a prayer request you have? I think we d if you do pray, not everybody prays, but if you do pray, that, that thing that kind of bubbles to the surface, that may be a burden. What burdens do you have? I've been encouraged by the church you know, over the last year, I've seen by the power, I believe by the power of the Spirit, you walk in the Spirit and care for those who have passed away. We've had a number of funerals here. We've seen the outpouring of love and care for the church body from people who aren't related by blood, but related by the Spirit. Maybe the blood of Jesus, right? But there's care there. You've cared for people who've had babies and people who... Um, who've had COVID and cancer, strokes, and other ailments. This church has helped each other carry those burdens. Walk in the Spirit. Paul wrote, doing this fulfills the law of Christ. Which is interesting because, and we've talked about this before, that 
Paul's railing on this kind of law by means of salvation, this law of Moses, and he, he's, he's attacking it. And here's the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What is that? I think Jesus tells us what it is in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is like the night before he's, he's dying and um, that's the last week of his life. And he says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think that's the law of Christ. Love one another. Do you? I, do I? How, does it, how are we supposed to do that? Jesus is close to, um, close, one of his closest followers, John, wrote a bunch of letters in the, near the end of our Bible, um, John, 1 John, and he talks about what it looks like. This is what love looks like. This is the mark, the mark of the Christian, 1 John chapter 3. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, lay down his life for us. You want to know what love looks like? Look at the cross. He died for us. That's, that's love. And because of that, and because of that, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You want to know what love looks like? It's by doing something. It's not just a warm fuzzy. It's not just something we feel. Love is, a, is something we do in action, and it can be costly. It's easy to love those who like us and give us things and are like us. It's harder to love when it's costly, right? Why do we love? Why should we then? Well, I, I, I thought of four reasons why we should love. One, Jesus commands it. Uh, two, the world's going to know we're Christians if we do it. Three, the world will praise our Father for it. And finally, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul's saying faith acting in love is what counts, this is what matters. I think this is the radical difference of the church versus the world. It's easy to love those who are all like-minded. Now we look, in general, we look alike, right? We kind of, we talk the same language. We're, we're, we're similar to, to many degrees. But there are men and women here. There's young and old. There's introverts and extroverts. Politically, there's some diversity. It's harder to love those who aren't like us. But the beautiful thing is, when we go against the flow and go against the grain and go against the flesh, and we walk in the spirit, the world will say, why are you doing this? And it's because of the love of Christ. It compels us. And the community, which is seen in our diversity and, and unity in this diversity, it, it just makes God look all the more great. It's about him. And it's the beautiful thing about being part of a local church. This is your local body of believers. Now, Paul gives a word of caution. Like the last one, he's like, you know, be careful that you don't fall, be gentle. Here he, he commands us to be humble. 
Look at three through five. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his load. What is he saying there? I, I think there's a tendency when we help others that we can kind of put ourselves then a little bit above them. Maybe you felt that. I think I can feel that sometimes. Like, I'm the teacher, you're the student. I'm the discipler, you're the disciple. I'm the, you know, I'm the giver, you're the receiver. Paul's leveling that out. No, 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 no. Let's kill our pride. We're on a level playing field. Before God, we were all sinners, saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi about this humility. So this is a common problem back then, and it's a common problem today too, about having the mind of Christ. Think about if you could have Christ's perspective, wouldn't that be amazing? If you could think like he thinks. Well, Paul talks about it here in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't qual, qual, equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to what? To the point of death, even death on the cross. Do you have a mindset where you're willing to give up your life for your brothers and sisters here at this church? I cringe because I struggle with that kind of sacrifice that Christ did, that he calls us to have that mindset. Now, that being said, we're not saved by our moral effort to love each other, but we are better for serving one another. We must be humble and obedient and not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We must fight the sense of, I'm entitled to recognition and uh, I need to use my certain kind of gifts. And we want to embrace this law of love, helping those who are straying and helping those who are struggling. Paul goes on to challenge the believer to test his work. And when we do that, we, we can boast. And I think if we honest, honestly are boasting, like when, when is it okay to boast? There's a couple times in Scripture where it talks about it and there's, there's some um, breadth in that word. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, Paul gives a place where boasting fits. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So when you're serving, and you're being that super servant, or you see that person grow in Christ, you see that person respond, you see that person admit they've, they've sinned, whatever they, the struggle is, or you feel good about it, let us boast that the God is at work. He is not dead. He is here, present in his believers, and God is at work. And we will boast that he is not done. He is not finished, and he is at work in New Buffalo. He is at work in Laporte. He's at work in, in this harbor country. He is at work, and we can boast in him and him alone. We are to be humble Spirit-led people walking in the Spirit, rescuing those 
who are headed towards a path of destruction, really, or those who are just struggling, no fault of their own. We are to help one another by the Spirit. So what does that look like, really, to walk in the Spirit that way this afternoon, tomorrow? Is there someone that you need to confront? Just think about that for a second. Is there someone, does the Holy Spirit bring someone to mind you need to confront? We're not all called to confront. It's not an application. Everyone confront someone this week. Turn to your neighbor and confront. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Is the Holy Spirit, is there someone that you you need to have faith and courage to confront gently and humbly this week? Or is there someone, maybe you're already caring for a burden, but there's someone you're care, you need to care for, continue to care for. Is there someone, is the Spirit giving you a call to care for someone this week? It could be a text, it could be an email, it could be a visit, it could be a, a meal, it could be a prayer. What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? So these are two different people, spiritual people, helping one another by the Spirit. But there's a couple other people who might be here. Perhaps you have a a burden that you're carrying that is just like, wow, I feel like if if there's any more on me, I'm going to fall apart. Maybe that's you. Uh, After the service... Dave Dew is one of our elders. He's going to be up front. He'd love to pray with you. In our bulletins, our connect cards. Um, or you can just write it on a piece of paper. Put it in that, there's a little box over there, offering box. The pastors, elders, we'll pray for you. You don't have to do this alone. We're, we're, a community is a, a real community, a real thing. Are you hurting? Maybe you're not hurting, maybe you're straying. You, you know you're not in a good place and that you just have given in to a work of the flesh, whatever it is, and you need help to fight. You don't have to do it alone. You have the Holy Spirit who is here to help and you have the Holy Spirit in the brothers and sisters to help find a person to help you. We all need help. I need help. We need help. If you're struggling in sin, stop. Turn from that sin. Turn to Jesus. Get help. Um, Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're not a a Bible follower, Jesus follower. Okay. God is calling you to stop too. To turn from that perspective and embrace his love and forgiveness found on the cross. Turn today. Today could be the day of your salvation, and you can join us, and that simply be a brother or sister. That simply. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and mercy expressed to us in sending your Son to die for us. You died to forgive our sin, all our sin. And so we don't have to carry any of it to heaven. 
We can give it all over to you right now. All our past, all our baggage, all that sin that weighs us down, we can cast at the the foot of the cross and find forgiveness and peace and love and acceptance. God, there are some here who have a burden that is heavy. I pray that you'd help carry that. That you would, you would take that load off their shoulders and that they would feel a tangible release and comfort and peace that passes all understanding. That you would guard their mind in Christ Jesus. And there's some here who might be called to carry a burden that is a little hard and I pray that you give us strength to do that this week. There's some here who might be called to confront. I pray that you give us a spirit of gentleness and boldness and receptivity to those who hear us. We trust in you and you alone. You are our rock and redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.